The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. We know that there have been questions for weeks now about this country's ability to get enough vaccine and to make sure that every Canadian who wants to get vaccinated can do so just last week. Uh, the provinces raised those concerns with the Prime Minister, and you heard Premier Kenny yesterday say they are ready to ramp up uh, the, the increase in the number of people the province can vaccinate starting at the end of January, but they need access to vaccine. Well, some good news today from the Prime Minister. We have reached an agreement with Pfizer to buy an additional 20 million doses of their COVID-19 vaccine. From our agreements with Moderna and Pfizer alone, we will now have 80 million doses of COVID-19 vaccines arriving this year. We're on track to have every Canadian who wants a vaccine receive one by September. All right, so 80 million doses of COVID-19 vaccine this year. He says the provinces have been told how much they'll be getting so they can continue to make plans for inoculation. We've let all provinces and territories know exactly how many vaccines they'll be receiving every week between now and the end of February. This will make sure that they have the vaccines and the information they need to keep rolling out doses as quickly, as smoothly, and as efficiently as possible. On top of that, we will, of course, continue to work to get even more vaccines delivered as soon as we can. You heard Premier Kenny say just yesterday that the province is planning to vaccinate or could vaccinate as many as 50,000 people per week by the end of this month. And the ideal target would be about 200,000 people per week by the end of March. Let's talk vaccines this afternoon with microbiologist Jason Tetro, the host of the Super Awesome Science Show and author of The Germ Code and The Germ Files. Jason, welcome back to the show. Uh, Great to be joining you. All right, (laughs) Jason, you sound like you're tuckered out. You sound like, oh my goodness, here we go talking vaccines again. But people have a lot of questions about what is going in. Some good news, though, this afternoon from uh, the Prime Minister about the acquisition of more doses. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the idea that we will be getting more was always sort of in play. Um, where the big issue was is how do we fit in, how does Canada fit in on the global supply list? Mm-hmm. And so basically when we first put out for the Pfizer vaccine, we all knew it was going to be a very low temperature. It was going to be the most difficult logistically. And we know that there are going to be some others that are coming out in the next couple of months mm-hmm. that probably are going to be much better, much easier to handle, and may not even um, you know, have any problems after you get it if you happen to come exposed to the virus. All that being said, <laughs> Canadians have basically realized that they don't want to do anything about preventing COVID. They don't want to do the ABCs anymore. They just want the vaccine. So that's put a lot of pressure on the government to essentially go and get more instead of following through on the patient but continual rollout that there was before. So we have the Moderna vaccine. We have the Pfizer vaccine. We've heard a lot of talk about the AstraZeneca uh, vaccine as well, the one coming out of Oxford University. Uh, I think it's been approved in Britain, and I think in the U.S. We're waiting for, uh, for approval here. Uh, you're, are, what do you think about this vaccine and what you're hearing about it? Well, AstraZeneca is going to be the one that's going to give us the opportunity to start vaccinating people in pharmacies. 
uh, in pretty much anywhere that you can get uh, that, that you can go um, that has a fridge. And I think that's really where we will get to those high levels where it's between 50 and 200,000 people per week. And that's going to get us into that exponential phase where we're going to be really getting too close to that, you know, herd immunity elimination threshold. And I'm hoping that will come around the summer. Now, there is one more that's coming out. And unfortunately, it's still in phase three. It's called Novavax. This thing is actually stable at room temperature. So you can keep it anywhere. And when you do actually get it, based on the challenge studies that they've done with monkeys, um, what they've shown is that as soon as you get that vaccine, if you challenge them again, they don't have any viral load whatsoever. We've heard so many people asking, you know, well, can I infect somebody or can I get infected and spread it to somebody? We still don't know what Moderna and Pfizer would um, kind of a little bit know with AstraZeneca and Johnson Johnson. But with Novavax, we already know. Boom. New. How do we know that? Oh, because of the monkeys. Yeah, because of the testing in what we call non-human primates, which are basically monkeys. And so when you look at all the testing that's been done in uh, the non-human primates for the uh, other vaccines, you do see some growth of the virus even in the challenge, and therefore there's the potential for spread. But since we don't know how much you have to be exposed to in order for you to get sick, it's still kind of up in the air. Yeah, there's still so many questions, Jason, and I get them every afternoon on the text line. You know, people are saying, okay, will the vaccine prevent me completely from getting COVID-19? Or if I do get it, will it reduce um, the the illness? Um, There's just still a lot of questions about how this is going to impact us moving forward. Yeah, and I think what we can say right now, based on those phase three trials, actually through all three, all three phases of the trials, is that if you happen to have the vaccine, you can be exposed to the virus, and it may actually have a little bit of time inside of you, but it's not going to lead to an infection uh, for the majority of people, and that's where that 95% statistical uh, value okay. comes in. Where it gets a little bit more um, confusing is if you don't have a proper immune system, what we call immunocompetence, is that going to lead to some problems? Now, what we do know is that with the Pfizer specifically, and also to some extent the Moderna, if you happen to have a weaker immune system because of age, it doesn't matter. You're still going to have beautiful protection. But what about other people who are immunocompromised or who didn't fit into any of the phases that were tested? That's where we have some issues. So not everybody is going to be applicable for every vaccine. And just to let you know, the other reason the AstraZeneca is such a great option is because they never tested it in the elderly. That's for Pfizer and Moderna to take care of. So when we get that massive rollout of the AstraZeneca, it's going to everybody who's under the age of 55. Well, and that's that's really interesting because, I mean, there's still a lot of questions about whether or not kids should be vaccinated or whether there will be a vaccination for children. Where do, is that just because they haven't done research in it or is it because they think that given the numbers and what they're seeing and the infection rates among kids and the, uh, the, the I guess, the poor outcomes that it's maybe not as necessary as for the older population? Well, that's initially what people were thinking, right? We've heard so much, uh, so many times, whether it be from the World Health Organization 
Nation down to you know Health Canada and even to municipalities that children were low level um, risk when it came to uh, infection. Well, that's kind of changed. I don't know if you heard about the Ontario numbers today, but the majority yes. of positivity is actually in children under the age of 19. So what's we're at, what we're at right now is that if you happen to be 16 years of age or older, then you do qualify. We are looking at possibly getting some of these um, tests in, these phases in for uh, children who are younger. But at, at the moment, it, it's just one of those things where we're so focused on just making sure the majority of the population has the vaccine that these may come in the next year or two. Uh, Jason Tetro joining me this afternoon. He is, of course, a microbiologist. He is the host of the Super Awesome Science Show, as well, written a couple of books. Uh, you name it. Now, my question was this, and I know this one is being asked uh, a lot, Jason. Do we know if you have had COVID, if you have had COVID, you've recovered, do you need to or should you get the vaccine? We don't know yet <laughs> because okay. the problem is, we still don't know how long you have immunity after you have had uh, a COVID exposure. And so far, it looks like it's going about eight months, going into nine months, and people are still showing immunity. So that's a good thing. Um, if it can last to a year, then probably you won't need it in this first wave of vaccinations. That being said, until we are fully confirmed by doing the proper studies, if your name is called, if you get that phone call or you get that email saying, please come in, I would really suggest that you just go on in, get the vaccination, because basically we want to be as safe as possible and not be sorry down the future. How is that immunity, those antibiotics, the antibiotics, the antibodies, um, you know, in those who have had COVID being studied, how, how is that being watched right now? So there's actually a, a couple of studies that are being done where what they've what they're doing is they're sort of longitudinal follow-up studies is what you call them. And what they're doing is they're basically having people who have, you know, they've had COVID, they've survived COVID, they've now moved on. They're coming back into the doctor's office or to the hospital. They're giving a little bit of blood. And then those antibodies are being tested to find out just um, how effective they happen to be. It's actually a really easy test. The problem is that it's very difficult for us to be able to focus on um, high throughput, if you will, when we're so focused on just trying to detect the virus in the first place. Now, we're going to get better. And even here in Canada, we now have a, a study being done by Statistics Canada, of all things, trying to identify how many of us actually have antibodies and whether those antibodies are still strong enough. Um, but that type of thing is sort of secondary to the fact that we just want to get rid of the pandemic. Uh, always love talking to our first guest this afternoon, microbiologist Jason Tetron. We're talking about vaccines and uh, taking some of your questions as well uh, this afternoon. Uh, just following up on the vaccines for children, Jason, that I had asked a little bit earlier. Um, someone had texted and said, could you ask Jason, please, if children may have already developed herd immunity because they attend school? Um, the, the answer to that is no. Uh, and, and the reason that we know that is because there's such a low positivity that's going around in the schools. I get that people, um, you know, get very concerned when, even when they hear about one case. But in order for there to be herd immunity, much like what we see sort of with something like a flu or, or a cold season, uh, you have to have a fairly large number of that population uh, having uh, the virus. And we just not, we're not seeing that with COVID. Uh, we're starting to see it in Ontario. Hopefully we don't have to see that here. <clears throat>
All right. Uh, Jason, you know what we have, um, uh, I know Global National is doing a, a feature report on this plant va- uh, plant-based vaccine. I think it's out of Montreal. I know that there was a, another, there's another Canadian vaccine in, I think that going, heading into the third phase of, uh, of clinical trials. What has this shown us? What has this shown Canadians about our lack of ability to produce our own vaccines and maybe what we need to be looking forward to um, as we as we move forward what we need to be looking to and doing as we as we move out of this you know when i was growing up uh you know in research and science uh, working at the Connaught laboratories on vaccines in toronto was like always a dream come true and actually i knew many people who did so losing that was such a hard um, reality when it came to Canada's ability to be able to lead when it comes to van- vaccine manufacturing. Now, I understand that we've got Vito in Saskatoon uh, or Saskatchewan. We've got uh, a couple of others in Ontario and also Quebec that are starting to ramp up. But at the end of the day, you know, we're, we're kind of coming at it a bit late and yeah. we've already purchased uh, or at least got promise for purchase of more than enough vaccine for every Canadian for like the next 10 years. So the reality is that we're preparing for the next pandemic and so I'm hoping that we continue to follow in that and that regardless of who ends up being the government at the next federal election that they continue to follow through on that. Uh, Jason, let's talk before I let you go about the new variants uh, in in the virus that uh, are, are being reported. Um, from what and hey, I talk on the radio. You're the microbiologist. From what I understand, though, is that viruses do mutate. They 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 change as they the longer they're in the population. Is that right? Uh, yeah. You see, um, unlike monogamous relationships, uh, viruses have what we call infidelity, and as a result of that. <laughs> what happens is that they will actually change the way that they look genetically. That, that's essentially what we call infidelity. And when that happens, we get these variants. Now, every single time a virus replicates, there's going to be a little bit of variation. Now, what essentially leads to the development of new strains or new isolates or whatever it may be is the fact that it has to be fit enough to be able to continue on. I mean, how many of us have, you know, tried out a relationship, it didn't work out? Well, if it does work, then it's going to be able to spread. And as a result of that, the best way to have a new variant is it for it to be able to spread better in humans and actually infect better in humans. Surprise, surprise, that's what the new variants are doing, right? But the fact of the matter is, is it actually preventing the vaccine? Mm, no. Okay. So it, it, the vaccine appears to still be working on the new variants is what you're telling us. That's what we've heard so far. No, it actually is. The research has come out. Um, and okay. so uh, with, especially with the Pfizer-BioNTech, uh, they've tested it on the different variants, especially the ones that are coming out of the UK, and it still works. So the big question here then is, is um, are, are the new var- variants more infectious? Are they, are they more, or are they more deadly? Are they both? Do we know? Well, they're more infectious because they're more fit for our bodies. Um, okay. and, and so as a result of that, that's why we're seeing, you know, a much larger case number uh, as a result of this particular variant. That happens every year when it comes to the flu and, and also RSV and other things. So don't, don't be so worried about that. What you want to be worried about is, is there the chance that there's something that's going on once it gets inside of you that's leading you to have a more serious disease? The answer to that is no. 
And in fact, in some of the cases of these variants, and this was out in the Far East, it was actually attenuating the virus. So you would actually get the virus. You would be asymptomatic, um, but you would be able to transfer it over to another person, but they wouldn't get sick. It was kind of like it had developed its own vaccine strain. Unfortunately, that kind of died out. Okay, so it's more, it, it can infect more people, but what you're saying is that you, it's not more deadly. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, you want to just continue to following the ABCs, the airway, the <laughs> bubbles, and the contacts to prevent yourself from getting infected or coming exposure. I mean, we know how to do this. We've been doing this for months. That's the best way to deal with any variant of any virus, whether it be flu, common cold, RSV, or COVID coronavirus. Jason Tetro checking in with us this afternoon. Always appreciate your insight, my friend. Thank you for this. Hey, no problem at all. Take care. You betcha. And of course, you can always check him out at the Super Awesome Science Show. So uh, Jason did mention about what's happening in Ontario today. Not sure if you've heard this, but uh, Ontario is, uh, is, is implementing some even tougher measures there to stop the spread of COVID-19. Uh, their data, again, this is Ontario suggesting that one-third of Ontarioans not following public health guidelines. It has issued, or it's going to be issuing an order requiring residents to stay at home starting Thursday, except for essential activities. He says he's also, uh, Premier Ford saying he's declaring uh, another state of emergency. Uh, it's uh, so restricting the hours of operation for non-essential re- retail stores like hardware stores between 7 a.m. and 8 p.m. Um, Ontario reported 2,903 new cases of COVID-19, and and, uh, they're saying that the new projections in Ontario uh, show that the virus is on track to overwhelm the healthcare system. So starting on Thursday, uh, people in Ontario will only be allowed to go out for essential activities like healthcare appointments or grocery shopping. And they say without these stricter measures, Ontario will see more than 20,000 new infections per day by the middle of next month. The chief public health officer for Canada, Dr. Theresa Tam, saying that Canada is reporting right now an average of more than 8,100 new COVID-19 infections a day. It was interesting to listen to uh, the premier on with Danielle Smith this morning. Uh, He was asked about what has to be done, what will have to be done to loosen up those restrictions. What are the markers here in our province?